I feel like the breakup album, the divorce album, the what I would call the leaving album, like the album that is about leaving, um, finally leaving that toxic situation, that is becoming a, a trend at this stage, like a full-fledged trend that people are talking about. Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com. want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a while. I do this every single year. I fall off the wagon. I'm rolling. I'm like, man, we're cranking out the these podcast episodes. And then I go through like a month where um, I don't know if it's like life gets crazy. I don't know if it's uh, just my you know state of mind. I don't know if it's my fear of... Uh, you know, imposter syndrome, whatever. We always have a spell at some point during the year where we kind of like don't put out an episode for a while. And that, that's been the case. And uh, if you've been listening to our show this year, you know that earlier this year we joined a podcast network, Area Code. And, uh, you know, the the fellow that runs the place, Richard Clark, who you've actually heard on this podcast before. Um, he's been on a few times over the years. But, um, you know, he, he's he's the guy that runs things now. And he he reached out to me recently. He said, Kyle, I'm not uh, I'm not pleased um with what's going on we we need to we need to be putting some more episodes out i said richard i hear you loud and clear i I need you to come on um and and just let's just talk about something light and airy you know let's just talk about something (laughs) easy let's let's talk about divorce yeah and uh and richard said you know what i'll be happy to if it if it gets this podcast going again so (laughs) richard clark the the uh what are you the ceo of area code the leader of area code (laughs) you you run the network Let's call me Podcast the, extraordinaire. the the head guy uh, that runs Area Code. I think it's my official are. title. That's it. None of that it. was true. I feel like I need to just like r- count off the bullet points of things that were untrue in that, but I'm sure people get it. None of Richard, that was true. Richard, uh, people get it. Richard is a good friend. He is a good friend of the podcast, has been since we started the thing. The podcast wouldn't exist, honestly, if I hadn't uh, met Richard back in the day, so... Um, always love to have him on to talk about a variety of things, but we are going to talk about uh, divorce on this podcast, oddly enough, specifically the divorce album. And the reason we're talking about it is because a really great one came out last month. Uh, Casey Musgraves put out Starcrossed. Um, you know, she her previous album, Golden Hour, was our album of the year, I believe, in 2018 is when that album came out. Um, and, and, you know, Casey Musgraves really sort of usurped the... Uh, entire like concept of like what a country music artist can can deliver to us with that album and i don't think anybody saw an album like starcross coming it's very uh genre agnostic i don't know if anybody's coined that term yet but i've been using it for a while and i'm wondering if maybe i need to trademark that i'm sure somebody out there smarter than me has been (laughs) using it but uh we've talked about the death of genre on this podcast and and starcross is an album that um certainly has its moments that uh lean in the country music direction but it's so much more than that and it's an album a personal album about her journey through divorce and when it came out it immediately hooked me because i have a lot of thoughts on divorce albums that i've never vocalized before but as somebody that has been divorced um i you know feel like i have an idea of what separates a divorce album from like a breakup album or a breakup song. And so I, I shared some of that on Twitter the, the day this album came out. I'm sure I'm not the first person to to think about all this, but I wanted to do a podcast where we could actually kind of talk it out. And uh, and that's why I brought 
Richard on. And you were the first person that I ran the concept past of like, I think that divorce albums are kind of like their own subset and it's a very specific thing. And you mm. seem to uh, immediately kind of like catch on to, to what I was like throwing out at that point. I mean, is, is that something that you've thought about before? Is that something that, I mean, obviously the, the, the idea of it resonates with you, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there is divorce is like such a, it's like such a formalized version of the breakup, right? Where it, 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 um, I, I might be skipping ahead here cause I know we're supposed to talk about divorce versus breakup albums, but like, to me, the divorce is just like a codified version of a breakup album where like it's, you, oh, you know, like it was serious. <laughs> It's basically yeah, yeah. what divorce is. I mean, I'm a person who believes marriage is really important um, and unique and special. It's a it's a unique thing. But I also think that the feelings of having a divorce are universally um, uh, relatable to, to mm-hmm. some degree. They're extreme, but that they are the the feelings that you have in in a divorce are sort of just like a really intense version of a lot of the feelings you get when you're leaving. Uh, a, a place or a person that you were attached to, or when you're re-reevaluating reevaluating everything in your life, like these are universal uh, things that I think make the divorce album um, particularly resonant, sort of across the board in that way. Yeah, that that's a great explanation. And I, you know, when I was thinking about this, I mean, obviously breakup songs are a thing because everybody knows what it's like to go through a breakup. We know what it's like to feel those emotions and that experience and divorce is like that, but like there's this added thing to it. Like there's actual paperwork mm. that you have to complete. Yeah, to, that You're true. signing a document that says yeah. we're not going to be a part of each other's lives anymore. And it's a, it, it's something that when you go through it, just like you're saying, there is a shared experience of what processing that is like. Mm. And, you know, Casey Musgraves put out the first single from this and there's a line on the song of like, we signed the papers yesterday. And my first reaction mm. to it was just like, mm. oh, okay. You know, that's like such a simple thing to say. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like when somebody says that we signed the papers yesterday, I really have the experience of signing the papers. I remember where I was. I remember what I was feeling yeah. and, and hearing the album in full and the way that she processed the entire journey of what it means to lead up to decide I'm going to sign the papers because that's the decision that has to be made here and all of the questions and the terror and everything leading up to that point. And then all the things that happen on the back half after you've signed the papers of like, oh no, I signed the papers and like this is (laughs) over now uh, to actually this is good and there's light at the end of the tunnel. She captured that journey in such a way that I thought was so relatable. Um, Was it on the nose? I mean, at moments it definitely was, but in this instance on the nose is something that is very applicable to the divorce mm. experience. And so that that's something that I feel like you don't get out of, you know, the top 40 breakup song or, you know, yeah. the, the breakup album, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. And, you know, there's no use in like making specific comparisons here, but I, I do feel like uh, it's something really unique. I agree with you. I agree with everything you're saying. And yet there is something to me, where and this is this is sort of the the I don't know if this is going to throw a wrench in the conversation or not, but to me, like 
some of my favorite favorite what I would call divorce albums are not about divorces at all. And you know this, I've like went to bat for saying Olivia Rodrigo's Sour album was like one of the greatest divorce albums of all time. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I said that was just the way that it she was able to articulate. I want to pit her against this Casey Musgraves album for one reason: the way that she articulates the feelings of going through a divorce has so much rawness and insecurity that Casey just does not muster in this album. Right. And mm. I don't like, I, I totally agree with you about the specificity and how useful that is. And I just wish sometimes that Casey would sing about herself as opposed to singing in like third person plurals or like, um, like even camera roll, which is so hyper specific. It's an advice song. Like it's written to <laughs> the listener. It's not really about, yeah her and i i didn't catch on to that for a while but i was feeling distance as i was listening to casey's album i was feeling this feeling that she was playing it a little safe or that she wasn't going all in in the way that she could not so much on her former husband but on herself in a lot of ways it, it just felt like she was protecting herself in the songwriting which you don't get from rodrigo in my opinion so counterpoint from somebody that also loves the Olivia Rodrigo album. I mean, we've talked about that album more than any other album in this podcast and on our site this year. It's incredible. What makes it, what yeah. I think what was so attractive about that album is that it so well captures the experience of being a 17 year old and going through a breakup. Right. Mm -hmm. And like Olivia Rodrigo mm -hmm. is like our modern day songwriting genius of like putting the, the intense feeling of that to tape. I think the, the counter argument here is that, if Casey Musgraves wrote an album, like we all carry those emotions, like, but you know, w whether we're 17 or in our thirties, but I think the yes, idea yeah. is that when you're going through a life event like this, the way that you express that like publicly is different when you're 17 than it is when you're 30 something. hundred percent. Casey Musgraves is. So if Casey yes. Musgraves wrote the album in the tone of Olivia Rodrigo, I mean, wouldn't we feel, we'd feel weird about weird, that. Right. That, and it, maybe, it, it, and maybe I, that's, what you're getting at, but I, I'm just saying that like, if I'm Casey Musgraves, I've just come to a point in life where even those things that I'm feeling that might manifest themselves in the form of a Olivia Rodrigo type song, that's yeah. not the song that I'm going to write because I've matured in a way that there's no way that I would write that. Does that make sense? I think there are ways to do a more, I will say that Casey is probably the, I think Olivia and Casey are extremes. I think Casey is could have done a better job at this, just to be frank. Like, I think I think that she could have been more raw. She could have been more honest. I mean, just make camera roll first person like that kind of thing. Like, I know that's oversimplifying it, but that kind of thing like could be done. That would make it a little better, um, in my opinion, or a little bit more relatable and a little bit more uh, uh, resonant. Whereas this felt like it was just taking a step back. I would say that there are other divorce albums that have done this a lot better that I think we'll talk about, like um, where where you get you get that feeling of rawness that is and that from adults. Right. Yeah. My, my only argument with Olivia was she articulates a lot of those same uh, emotional beats that but she's not weighed down by the uh 
by those. What I think are largely, I mean, my, you joked about talking about something hard. I love nothing more than talking about divorce. I don't know why, (laughs) but I am one of those people who just loves to have like teenager level angst in public, right? And express that angst and talk about that angst and process it with people. So I believe that what Olivio has that adults don't is actually a positive thing and not a negative thing. Maybe. Yeah. It's some of the lashing out to the X is maybe a little harsh, but other than that. Yeah. It's funny. I think most people that actually know me know that I also wear my heart on my sleeve in a way that is not so great at sometimes as a result of my, uh, my mental health, but I'm less okay with myself about it than I think that you are. You're at least comfortable in your skin. I'm definitely, I'll be okay for both of us. I'm okay with both of us. There you go. (laughs) Well, this is a good segue then to talk about some, some examples of divorce albums. And, you know, there's uh, the first one that popped into my mind is not like some huge, um, you know, worldwide known divorce album, but it was the album that came out. I want to say it came out the week that I, I signed the papers. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, Isley's the Valley. And, you know, so certainly the timing of that album uh, was, you know, going to to resonate with me. And that was an album throughout uh, the course of that year that uh, spoke to me so great. It was just I I was like, I feel like I wrote these songs. I'm finding myself in them. And what made that album so special was, um, you know, for fans of Isley, and I know that we've got a lot of fans of Isley that listen to this show they their previous albums leading up to the valley were they were known for creating these sort of fairy tale uh type sonic soundscapes in which their their the stories of their songs really were like fictional fairy tales that you could find like bits of truth and experience within them but the valley is not that at all it is like straight it, it does away with the fairy tale stuff it cuts straight to the chase mm. of like i'm going through a divorce and um, and also, I love the structure of it. I love the idea of descending down into the valley over the course of an album and then climbing up the the other side. Um, but that's the last divorce album for me that I've had in my life is like, oh, man, this is like such an incredible representation. And it's so poignant the way that the songwriting changed for the band um, to write a divorce album versus their other music. But obviously, there's a lot of other stuff out there, you know, and you can find lists. If you just Google divorce albums, you're going to find different lists and, and breakdowns of different uh, different albums. I, I've documented a few here. Marvin Gaye's Here, My Dear, which is really fantastic because um, I, I believe that that album. So in the midst of Marvin Gaye's divorce, um, like half of like what he made off of this next album was going to be split between the two of them. So the idea of naming it here, my dear, of like, this is, you know, part of this is, is for you as well is like kind of incredible. Mm. Uh, maybe the most famous of all Fleetwood Mac's rumors. Um, I imagine we'll talk about that album a little bit. That album was famous for being sort of like a cracking the window so that people could see inside what was happening in the band at the time. It's not as, it's only as forthright as, it gets more forthright the more that you know and the more that time has yeah. gone on about what was going on with that band. So it's a really interesting divorce album in that way. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, Phil Collins' Face Value, is actually his first solo album. And I, I think that's so important to think about like him breaking away from Genesis to write his own first personal album about his experience of that divorce. Um, and In the Air Tonight is is one of those songs that in the uh, within the confines of that, I mean, it's a one of the most well-known songs in general, but in the confines of that album and going through his divorce is just so eerie and dark and painful. Mm. Um, and so well done, you know, Bruce Springsteen has one. There's a lot of them. Um, uh, talk to me 
Richard, about some of the, the divorce albums that stick out to you? Or is there one specifically, I know as you went through a divorce, was there one that you leaned on or one that um, spoke to you during that time or after? Yeah. So I, I think I told you when we were preparing for this, like I was, I was doing that thing where I was Googling divorce albums and realizing I just haven't listened to a lot of divorce albums. It's really weird. Basically, I think I can narrow it down to two. I think it's the Casey Musgraves one and rumors. Those are the ones Mm -hmm. and rumors, uh, has meant a lot to me in the last few years in terms of, um, like, yeah, just looking through everything like they have such perspective, right? Like that is, that's a really honest album. It's also an album that has a lot of perspective. And, um, I think that like the key to that album is just that they wrote it together. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can't imagine that album would have been nearly as good if it wasn't written with the person it was about. And I think that is the, the awkward. I mean, if you want to talk about what is unique about divorce, that's an awkward thing about divorce is like when you're trying to tell people what happened, it is impossible. It's frankly impossible to answer that question. And <laughs> yeah. it's gotten harder nowadays when you're on social media and you're trying to like make it clear. I've just, thank God I did it. Like I got my divorce before social media became thus like, all encompassing thing was still uh-huh. pretty all encompassing, but it was yep. not nearly as we still had to change our Facebook statuses and stuff, but we didn't feel like we had to alert our brand people. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's really fascinating. The collaborative nature of an album like Rumors and the collaborativeness yeah. of a divorce because you have all those people like, yeah, but mm-hmm. we just saw you two together at this mm-hmm. thing. It's like, yeah, we were also going through a divorce then too. We just didn't <laughs> tell you. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's people that have a divorce from a, a distance. I know that those things exist, but for a lot of people, like you're, you're still like, you kind of have to do it together. And, um, yeah. and the idea of art coming out of that is, is definitely fascinating. I, there's no question. That's kind of what sets rumors apart from, from any of the others we might discuss. Yes, I did write down a few albums and we don't have to talk about these a lot, but these are the albums that sort of were lifelines to me during that time. And and some of them are divorce album-esque in the way of Olivia, right? So um, Robin's Body Talk, <laughs> weirdly mm-hmm. enough, was like a big album for me, dancing um, on my own. Uh, yep. uh, I'm trying to remember all the other songs, but that album, like there was something about it that like tapped into this next stage joyfulness thing that I think was the thematic tie of most of the albums that I would gravitated to was the feeling of this is over now and I can move on. That was big for me in a time that feels so heavy and feels like it will never end. That was a big piece. Um, I will say vampire weekends Contra just that song Contra like is Mm. undeniable in terms of a song that you can relate to, um, in those circumstances. And then I have Drake's take care. Um, Kanye's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. That was big for me during that time. And I think helped me purge some of the bitterness and demons that I was dealing with during that time. Weirdly enough, sleigh bells treats, um, which is like a really fun rock pop thing that uh i don't know just got me on my feet again i feel like and then we're uh, also weird uh you start to have crushes on girls again at some point and that feels really good and one of the albums that helped me with that was carly ray jepson's kiss i knew that <laughs> her, was gonna come up 
Yeah, I figured you thought that was because uh, Kyle was right there with me uh, jamming to Kiss uh, back in the day. In particular, call me maybe, I guess. Um, yeah. Whether you wanted to or not, you were hostage to that situation. But <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, those are all the Robin one is one that I actually had crossed my mind as we were preparing for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously, yeah, thank you for sharing all those. Um, and it's funny cause I do remember it's like music is like such a thing for me and the way that I understand like people in my life and, yeah. um, and where they're at. So like, I have a pretty good memory of like what you were into at that point, not to be weird, but like, I just, I, I remember because I think <laughs> right. about like, this is how people process stuff. This is how we go through these things. And so, um, right. it's all, it all matters. One of the things that I noticed, which by the way, uh, before I move on, uh, apparently Robin Thicke has a divorce album. I learned this as I was doing some, uh, some research <laughs> and I've never listened to it. I don't know how uh-huh. many people have. Uh, I kind of want to listen to it though, because it's like, you know, I think the blowback to it was like, everything that happened with blurred lines was so public and he was so clearly the bad guy in that situation that him writing his divorce album was kind of uninteresting, <laughs> you know, yes. for, most, for the yes. general public. But now I kind of like want to go back and, and listen to it. Cause I'm like, Oh, maybe I need to like, you know, have a chance to hear what the other side of that experience was like for him. But if you ever want to, I was know, most, when I was also discovered some new divorce albums that I'm excited about, I was most intrigued by Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton's respective divorce albums, mm-hmm. which have like mm-hmm. names that seem to play off of each other. I think one is like, I think one is like the unequivocal truth and the other one is like really what happened or something like, it was, <laughs> it's all, I don't know. Those are, the, that's the incorrect titles at all completely. But, um, you know, you get the idea. Like it feels that's like amazing. they're answering one another. I'm yeah. very excited to listen to those albums. <laughs> one of the things that I noticed, uh, I, I, I picked up on this as I was doing some reading and, and you can tell me if you saw something different, but it felt like, so there was the stretch of decades in the seventies and eighties. And that's when we saw the, uh-huh. you know, Marvin Gaye, Fleetwood Mac, Phil Collins, there was a lot of divorce albums. And then all of a sudden there wasn't really not any that were like notable that people are like, Oh, remember this album until around the 2010s. And then it kind of seemed to become a thing again. And I, I was like, is that something? And I almost wonder if it was, because if you think about like, we've, we've lived through a period where like divorce was a news story, right? Of like half of marriages in, di- yeah. in divorce. And there was like this whole thing of like, what are we going to do about this situation? And what does it say about our culture? Um, and, and I think there were like multiple different takeaways from that, but we've kind of, at least from my perspective, I, I don't hear that talked about as much anymore. And maybe the cultural understanding around marriage and what those expectations are has changed or, you know, I, I don't know how much that has to do with it. Or if it's just the fact that the sounds of like the nineties and early two thousands, like it was such a celebratory period in terms of pop music that there really wasn't a place for a, a divorce album. But now that we've entered mm. back into, you, you mentioned my beautiful twist of fantasy. And I wrote about last year, how that album kind of marked a, like a, a turn in terms of popular music back towards a more dark and introspective tone to like the, the general mm. sound of popular music. And does that open the door for divorce albums to be a thing again? But I don't know if you noticed that, but I just thought it was curious. And I was like, I wonder why there was the stretch where there were no like resonant or memorable divorce albums. I wonder, I wonder if it has to do with just like general political and institutional upheaval. 
you know, not to jump mm. to that really heady point, but like, it feels like the degree to which you no longer trust institutions may align to your willingness to sort of call everything about your life into question. I, that's definitely been my experience more recently, right? It doesn't apply to my marriage, but it applies to a lot of other things where, and I think I even mentioned this to you. I feel like the breakup album, the divorce album, the what I would call the leaving album, like the album that is about leaving, um, finally leaving that toxic situation, that is becoming a, a trend at this stage, like a full-fledged trend that people are talking about. And I think I think it's re reaching a little bit of a fever pitch right now. It kind of feels to me like those albums are all over the place right yeah. now. Um, I mean, Billie Eilish is one we didn't talk about. Holy crap. How did we miss that? I mean, Billie Eilish's yeah. album is a great example of that. Um, and so I think there was something similar maybe happening in the seventies and eighties where it's just like, people are, <laughs> people are going their own way. You know what I mean? Um, because they know that they're not locked into the predetermined path. Um, yeah. there's a willingness to branch off from the predetermined path, which I think has, is not always the case. Well, let me throw this in and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit for us. You, we've talked about Olivia Rodrigo. We've talked about Billie Eilish. The podcast is about Casey Musgraves. When I was listing through that chronological order of some of the albums, they were all either male artists or Fleetwood Mac, right? Mm. And don't you think, and, and again, I, I'm casting a big net out here. This is kind of a wide thought that I'm not going to tie to anything specific, but don't you think that we're at a place now where the voice, where a woman's voice of that narrative and that story is not where it needs to be, but is more openly and willingly accepted and, and listened to and heard now than it would have been in decades past. Right. Um, yeah. Because I, I think the lack of, female divorce albums in previous decades, like really stuck out to me. I was like, whoa, this is weird. Um, and I, I think that's definitely something to, to consider in a, a way that our culture is like hopefully changing in a, a positive direction. Yeah, that man, that's such a really, that's such a good point and uh, explains why maybe the only divorce album I'm familiar with is Fleetwood Mac uh, before now. Um, yeah, it's, it, it just, it, uh, it makes me so uncomfortable to think about in in a way because mm -hmm. you get you you get there's an implication and just a reality if we're being honest that if a woman puts out a divorce album in the 70s uh it probably be is seen as whiny or hysterical or you know any of those right. words that you would assign yep. to something like that and men uh are controllers of their own fate and they get to do what they want basically you know yeah. um it's yeah. definitely fascinating. And I and I thought that was something that came out of me from the Casey Musgraves album. We can kind of like dig into that a little bit further mm -hmm. now. But like her ability to have her own agency in the midst of that story, I felt like the album was really fair and balanced in the way that she was approaching mm -hmm. her experience of the divorce, right? I mean, there's certainly the the angry frustration songs. I mean, there's the, I mean, Good Wife is an, an, an example um, of really digging into some things that I don't think we've heard from divorce albums in the past that like the really breadwinner right is now. so savage breadwinner Bread is rough, man. Um, justified, but like her ability, I mean, it, again, I, I just was amazed at how balanced this whole album was and how yeah. easily 
she was able to convey again her own agency in the midst of this situation yeah. um across these songs i just thought to me it was something of like this this is something we needed a long time ago and and here it is now but yeah i thought there were just several points in that album that that really stuck out to me yep um one of the things that you know i mean i i guess i didn't know until we did this podcast and started talking that you weren't as like high on starcrossed as i am I, I think this is one of the the best albums of the year and and you're not the only one i think a lot of people have had mixed reactions to it one of the things that's fascinating is like how do you follow up golden hour right i mean we've yeah. i've talked to ed nauseam about that album and what it what that album represents and what it was like to have that album in the midst of like a time period in which we needed something like that like just culturally mm-hmm. politically mm-hmm. everything we needed an album like golden hour or at least i did to like help me find like that there's still like some beauty in areas of life that i'm not considering right now and what it's like to go through these times you know there was it's an all-time great album it was, whatever came next was always going to like you know kind of like stand in the shadow of that album and the fact that it's a divorce album i think makes it even harder but i also think that it makes it really beautiful you've you've talked about camera roll a few times i personally think it's one of the best songs on the album i, mm-hmm. I love everything about it but you know that song ends with her saying you know she's you know going through the uh, you know the photos in her camera roll there's one where we look so in love before we lost all the sun and I made you take it. And that is like a direct allusion to Golden mm, Hour. That's pretty good. That album, yeah. what it's about, that's right? That's pretty it's like, good. It's incredible that she's reckoning with what this album did for me in my life and where I'm at personally on the other side of it. Yeah. And goddamn, and also, that's just so incredible. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right there. I mean, I definitely talked down to the album only to balance a little bit and to convey my frustrations with it. But I think there are some genuinely great moments. The best thing about that line is it repaints... It repaints a, a perfectly uh, nice moment. Uh, it, it's it retcons it a little bit into something mm-hmm. that's a little sad in retrospect, right? Yeah, um, I mean, that, and th- which that, is how it works. Which is exactly. how the whole thing works. And that's the whole idea of the song, right? Of like you can scroll yeah. back through the camera roll and find a story <laughs> that has truthful moments, but it's not true of the whole thing. And so if you yeah. just look at the nobody's taking pictures of the fights. Nobody's taking pictures of like the really bad moments that lead to the divorce and why it didn't work. You only have captured moments in time that make you think like, yeah, but there was this good stuff too. And that good stuff can be true, but not um, true in a sense that it dictates the nature of the actual situation. That's why I think like a, a really, it's such a simplistic concept, but there's so much, it's a really weighty thing too. Yes. I do think like the more I dig into it, the more I'll like, there's just that off putting thing in the beginning where I was like, why am I not? There's also like something about the star cross motif and like the distance of making it a Shakespearean, a Shakespearean thing. Like it felt unnecessary and also uh, just another way of distancing it from the actual event. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And I think it's the biggest knock against the album as well. If I had one change I could make, it would probably be that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess I'm just like really empathetic to people that are going through a divorce in a sense. Totally. Yes. You know what? Maybe I would have done that different, but Hey, I know what you're going through in a, in a sense. And at least in some small way. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm I'm like it. I'm like, it's no rumors. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Casey, get it together. Um, what were, we've talked about a few songs. What were some of the standouts for you? I, I'll i share, um, you know, Justified clearly sticks out to yes. me as a huge one. I've mentioned Camel I was, Roll. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I thought the, as a, 
you know, there's a light, which kind of leads into the end. I thought it was sort of a beautiful way to sort of wrap up the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really does, you know, when you look at the end of, you know, the album with Keep Looking Up, What Doesn't Kill Me and There's a Light, it's just like this really beautiful moment. And again, of going through this, it's those moments that you remember, right? Where you start listening to the Kiss album and feeling good again. Um, yeah. I think that she really captures like, what the the journey to the other side can look like with this and so that i love the i love narrative arcs you know this but like i feel like this album does a really great job of like it's not like one clean arc it's like bouncing around through all of the different things that you're feeling before finally like this lift up period as it gets towards the end um but what are some different things that stuck out to you i feel like every divorce album every good divorce album with all my expertise every good good divorce album needs like that song that both is a revenge song and also acts as a revenge song which is to say it is both so brutal in its content and so incredibly popular in its rollout that Uh it's um that it's just like un like it is an unavoidable like smack in the face of whoever it's about that's an arbitrary thing that i think a divorce album needs and is probably uh not uh super healthy but um i think uh I do think breadwinner serves that purpose. Mm -hmm. Breadwinner is such a bop. Like it is just really fun to listen to and sing and it will make you mad at anyone. Like it's one of those songs that just you listen and you just get mad at someone for some reason. I think it's really effective in that way. Um, So I'm a big fan of breadwinner in on that level. But Um, so I just want to stop there real quick because going back to the Olivia Rodrigo thing, and I'm not saying that breadwinner would make sense on, Olivia Rodrigo's album or something, but like, isn't mm-hmm. that like a really specific thing, right? That, that Casey Musgraves, like you, there's no mystery about what Breadrunner is about. It's like, oh, this is about you and your husband's situation. And it's very True. specific. And everybody listens to this, understands what you're talking about, even if we've not experienced it. So like, it's I, again, it's like the 30 something year old version of, of that to me, but. It, yeah. Uh, it, it's, I think it's just her choruses like feel too vague or something like the parts of the songs that I remember, they just feel like, um, big cliches or something like that. It could apply to anyone. Maybe that's the point. I mean, there's some bleachers in that, right. Where it's like, um, what is it? Uh, gospel in the chorus is what he says. Something in the verse gospel in the chorus. I forget what it is. Um, and so there's a little bit of that there, but, um, yeah, I like I I really like Breadwinner. I, I I think you're right. I think it's specific um and also really re- universal and relatable. I I agree that Justified is a high point too. Like Justified is the song for me that is perfect on all levels. Like the, she owns she owns what she's talking about in that in that song as opposed to, you know, like distancing herself from it. She's really talking about experiencing all of these things making a lot of mistakes, going through a lot of f- feelings about the situation. And that is if, if, probably the most representative of what it is like to go through divorce from beginning to end. It's not linear at all. It is, yeah. you are about to change your mind until it's over, uh-huh, basically. Uh-huh. Yep. basically. Exactly. So, yeah. I love that. Um, one of the things I felt, and again, this is just personal experience. As I listened to this album, I pictured me back in that, you know, apartment in Louisville. We actually lived in the same apartment building for a while. And I, I lived mm-hmm. in that building. I guess we were both kind of going through divorce at different stages uh, of our yeah. of divorce while we were both living in that building. But I remember 
you were just upstairs, but you know, and we certainly took advantage of having that friendship during that time. But there were a lot of moments of me when I think back, I remember me sitting alone in my apartment mm. um, and feeling the things that this album was talking about. And that's why when I talk about, you know, camera roll, she does use the you like the, you know, don't scroll through your camera roll. And like you can interpret that as like her telling somebody, the rest of us out there not to do that. But I also saw myself sitting in my apartment. Don't do yeah. this. Don't go through the photos. And even totally, in the bridge of that song, yes. she says, look at me. I'm living all alone. And now you're only living in my phone. And like that line is like this really i'm just like oh yes i mm. i know that feeling and i'm sure so many people do but um i that was just on my mind so much as i was listening to this of just being like oh my gosh casey i, I you're talking about this and i remember where i was when i was feeling that thing or when i was asking those questions that you're asking right now and that's that, that's really what i love so much about the album that loneliness piece right is so big that like um that acknowledgement of you'd suddenly have to relearn how to be alone because the the act of being mm -hmm. married is being with a person all the time. <laughs> like that's yep. basically the point. And anytime you feel lonely, you just call the other person and they're supposed to be there. Um, yep. And I feel like a lot of what is like some of her better albums explore that aloneness, even justified is like that good wife, like good wife is an exploration really of what it means to feel alone. And if you watch her, mostly bad visual album um like she she illustrates this she's alone in this crowd of very cookie cutter wives who are doing their best and she's just not fitting in right um hookup scene is another great example of that that's something i related to even though i never delved into any hookup scene um like i feel like the feeling of i'm kind of like try stuff again you know like that whole feeling of feeling what it is to go back into dating whatever that means mm -hmm. to you is awkward and stilted and mostly just feels lonely you know you yeah. kind of feel like you're just desperately searching for anyone to oh, fill yeah. some void got a lot of stories about that it, it really is like learning how to do all that all over again from scratch yeah and everybody yeah. that you're meeting with isn't starting over <laughs> <laughs> they're like mm. you know they've been they've been uh getting more at bats than you and they kind of like uh <laughs> it, it's just awkward it sucks um so one of the things i'm curious about because i haven't watched the visual album but you you have and mm. you've said that it's awful <laughs> i think i don't want to put words in your mouth but you implied that you didn't pretty like much it. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that i'm sure some people have, have watched it already but what what's the what's the deal there Okay, so Casey right now is doing this thing where Casey Musgraves, I feel I should say her, say her full name. I don't really know her that well. <laughs> so Casey Musgraves <laughs> is doing this thing where she's sort of um, appropriating a bunch of people and that really affects the aesthetic of the the visual album. Like Gracias a la Vida, like why is that in Spanish? I don't understand. It's not clear. And, and, and it felt, it feels like, like, uh, she's, I think she, there's a quote where she said she, she did it cause it's like a beautiful language, which just feels like a strange reason to use the Spanish language in your song. Um, th the video itself is very like, there's a lot of, um, cultural, there's like a, how do I put this? There's a mulatto cowboy who's, clearly there because he looks visually interesting. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? Okay. And they also do this with like, 
um, trans and like drag people, like where they really play up the difference, right? They're really playing up the types of the, like the different types of people. And it just feels like collections, you know, it just feels like appropriation to me. That was really off putting. And then also it just like, didn't make sense. So the plot wise, there is no plot. It, it didn't, I was not able to follow it. And I also just low key don't think she's a great actress. Like she's not doing a lot of actual acting in that thing. So I I'm comparing it to, all-time greats like that are happening more recently like um folklore and like beyonce and like uh billy eilish right so yeah. that is what i'm comparing it to admittedly um this is just not that and and i was left sort of wishing i had just listened to the album instead interesting so was your first experience of the album the visual album no it wasn't okay Interesting. No. Cool. Yeah, I had a feeling I wasn't going to like it, so I went ahead and listened to the <laughs> album first. I didn't want it to totally uh, ruin my experience. Yeah, good call, I guess. Um, one final note on the Olivia Rodrigo thing. I believe the, the song titles of Starcrossed and Sour are both all in lowercase. Um, you know, so if that means anything to you. just to, There you go. That's a good point. A little, little note. I don't know. And if this uh, maybe... was a movie ends with two dots. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Oh, yeah. it's like an ellipses yeah. almost, but like, not fully. Like almost an ellipses. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, uh, this has been good. Um, I, I don't know. How do you feel? Did you, did you enjoy this Richard? Well, I, I feel a little bad that I'm so down on this album by just in the course of how we're talking about it. In reality, I love this album because I relate to the subject matter and I like really, I think there are like some incredible songs that I will always listen to for the rest of my life on here. So um, I did want to convey that like, I, I love Casey Musgraves. I think that Golden Hour is one of the greatest albums of all time. I think this album is like a very good divorce album. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do we still need, do we, how many more divorce albums do we need? Is it something that you feel like, because that was the other thing is there's certain notes that a divorce album is always going to hit. Um, and people are always going to create art out of things like that. But like, mm -hmm. do you feel like there's still, like if we say divorce albums are their own genre or something, is there still room to explore there? Is there still like a divorce album could come out next year and you'd be like, Oh Man, I'm loving the leaving trend. So I'm up for a lot of leaving albums. I, I don't know about divorce albums. I think there's an awkwardness and a stiltedness to them. Um, just generally, I the fact that like, I don't know, like I don't feel crazy about any of the big divorce albums out there. They're so highly specific and contained to a specific situation that there's like no plausible deniability to it. Right. So Olivia could get her way with saying a lot of crap and say, I wasn't talking about you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like with rumors, like, you know, exactly what they're talking about. And with Starcross, you know, exactly what they're talking about. And it's about this guy and he's the breadwinner and everyone knows it. It just, I think it results in restraint that maybe isn't ideal. And so I do wonder mm. about that impulse <laughs> to write about such a specific thing and whether that's like the ideal thing. I, I, I think th that the better approach might be 
just to write about like this is weird to say and i haven't really listened to this album but i wonder if donda is in a better approach i was just about to ask you about that i've i could only make it through half the album and i don't have a strong opinion but i was just about to bring that up i listened to the whole thing but like couldn't process it and wasn't enjoying myself and i was like i don't need this (laughs) i'm kind of mostly with you i'm like a little more open to it than you are i think but i'm like mostly like not interested, especially right. There's just like a lot of stuff out right now. So I'm prioritizing that stuff. And I think, I think the idea of focusing on something positive with that in the background might be the better approach, which is why I think I was gravitating towards like really positive albums like body talk and, um, the Carly Rae Jepsen album and even take care, like take care that title track is a great example. I remember when I, I got divorced and then I think I met my, uh, next wife and my now wife about a year later, something like that. I don't know the timeline exactly, but I remember hearing take care and going, that's it. Like maybe that's not, that doesn't reflect well upon me that I'm learning from Drake what I want from a spouse, but like, (laughs) um, that's really, really bad now to think about it. But that particular song made me construct this positive viewpoint of what I really wanted out of not just a spouse, but life in general and out of myself and all of those things. And I think that for me is the takeaway a little bit is like, and there's some of that in rumors even where um, it, it, a lot of it is forward looking and forward thinking, and they even play it out in real, they play it out for us. They show us, this is how it's done. You weirdly, you write an album with your uh, ex uh spouse and it's fine or whatever yeah um i I knew you were taking the drake thing too far when you were actually hiding a (laughs) child from uh, from everyone i I was like man look (laughs) this is too far um no but speaking of take care and kanye i was just thinking 808s and heartbreak is not a divorce album but boy howdy does it come close to being one um without the experience of divorce right and i can't imagine anything Kanye creating at this point being quite as good as that, but (laughs) good or coherent or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love that album a lot. That was probably one I should have written down. Well, Richard, this has been a delight as always. Um, I love talking about divorce with you um, along with (laughs) a number of any other topics that we might discuss at any given point in time, but thank you for, uh, you know, um, being there for me as I went through a divorce and um, ditto and man podcast and talking about divorce albums. Pretty good. Feels like we needed each other. And I'm so glad we got to do this on a podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of long live the music. Um, if you'd like to learn more about, I mean, you're, you're already aware of some of the cool shows that are on the area code network. If you listen to the show, cause you hear about them, but if you want to learn more, you can go to areacodenetwork.com um, to see their full collection of shows. They're always adding more and launching more shows. Pretty cool to see. We're happy to be a part of that family. Um, and if you like our show, of course, subscribe, leave us a review and then come visit us at it's That is going to do it for today's show. I'm Kyle Hawk, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.